What would it take to arouse your life, to experience more connection, more pleasure, more realness in and outside of the bedroom? I'm August McLaughlin, and this is Girl Boner Radio. Wow. Welcome to the last Girl Boner Radio episode of 2020. And what a year it has been. Before our break, two weeks, I will return with new episodes starting January 6th. I wanted to bring you all something special. As I'm sure you know by now, I am big into personal stories. I think they are the best teachers and, especially in the zaniness of this past year, necessary. I also like to wrap up each year in a way that feels like I'm hanging out with friends. So I chatted with a few friends of mine and someone new, all of whom I'm excited to introduce you all to, for another round of OMG dating stories, the kind that you might share at an adult slumber party or happy hour. Later in the show, we'll hear Dr. Megan Fleming's thoughts for a listener who wonders if his boners are broken. For much more girl boner fun, including bonus stories and more through the holiday season, I hope you'll join my Patreon community. By doing so, you can get a bunch of fun extras and support this show and my mission at the same time. I pulled the group for the next bonus content recently, and Ask Me Anything is in the lead. So soon, I will answer every question folks in the group submit, along with some fun interview moments that didn't make the final cut of episodes. I'll also share casual videos I don't share anywhere else, behind-the-scenes glimpses, and some downloadable activities that pair with certain episodes. Learn more at patreon.com forward slash girlboner or click the link down in the show notes. Now, on to our stories. I met Jess Witkins through the blogging community some years ago, and I immediately appreciated her heart and humor. She's always felt a little bit like a sister to me, not only because we share many values, but because of our Midwest roots. I usually say I'm a writer, blogger, and storyteller. Uh, my mission in life is to make pathetic look cool, because <laughs> that's, that's just what I feel is on brand for me. I am a public librarian by day and an aspiring writer by night. Years before she entered the professional realm, Jess was 20 years old and enjoying her first spring break trip as a college student when she ended up making a romantic connection with someone in a, well, unconventional way. She and two friends had flown to Fort Lauderdale to escape the cold, she said, as someone from Wisconsin does, and they were finishing their trip with a night on the town. It was just a fun, crazy, when you're in your 20s, spring break trip with your girlfriends, and they'd all kind of like found these other partners along the trip, and this was like our last night in town, we were flying the next day. I'm so embarrassed. It says the craziest way to pick up a person. So it was St. Patrick's Day over the course of our spring break. And we wanted to get into the clubs, but we were underage. 
So because it was a holiday, we thought a good plan would be if I pretended that I was Irish because I have red hair. So clearly that just makes me Irish. I'm not in fact actually Irish at all, but that was the plan. And so we did bribe a bouncer and I spoke with an Irish accent for the entire night. I just did my best at a brogue and like went on. And we ended up meeting a couple guys one of whom was celebrating his United States citizenship. He had just gotten it that day and was originally from Colombia, and we hit it off. Jess couldn't remember the first thing she said to him, so we quickly Googled some Irish pickup lines. It might have gone something like this. I'm doubling my efforts to get you to go out with me. As in Dublin, Ireland. I thought your smile was the shimmer from a pot of gold, so I followed it and found something as bright and beautiful as a rainbow. Okay, it was probably nothing like those. When he asked Jess about her family, she blurted out that they owned a sheep farm. (coughs) Because that's something people do in Ireland, right? It was the only thing she could think of. Regardless, their interactions that night made quite an impression on both of them. Jess and her friend joined him and his roommate back at their place for more fun afterward. Then, the trip ended the next day. But those memories lingered. But I couldn't stop thinking about him. And thankfully, he couldn't stop thinking about me. And so I got this email waiting for me when I got back to Wisconsin um, saying like, hey, like, do you remember me? Like, obviously I did. So I emailed him back and was like, yeah, I remember you. And, but I have a confession to make and explained I'm actually from Wisconsin. And thankfully, he thought it was really funny. He and Jess ended up dating for a while. And they never really talked about how it all started again. I mean, can you imagine the conversation when someone asked the proverbial, how did you meet question? Well, I bribed someone to get into a bar and was hoping I'd get free drinks all night by pretending to be Irish on St. Patrick's Day. Jess's story goes to show that even if we are not 100% honest while making a first impression, all can still pan out pretty well depending on just how dishonest we are and how we proceed. And I certainly didn't go out that night intending to pick someone up. It just kind of happened. So apart from the ridiculous accent and probably lying about what my family did in terms of trying to think of like, what does someone do to make money in Ireland? (laughs) I think most what else that we talked about was honest. Like, I think I had the same number of siblings or things that were important that we talked about, our values and things like that, those aligned and made sense. And so that's why I think we were able to continue it from that point, because we did have a good connection. We never know with whom or when we'll have that special connection, fake accents or not. And sometimes, Even when we sense that the connection is there, it takes a while for anything more to happen. As in this story from Will Armstrong, a publicist in Los Angeles. I met Will back when Girl Boner lived only on my blog. I had just started appearing on podcasts to talk about sexuality when he invited me to appear on the show of one of his clients, Dr. Lisa Masterson. I had a blast on the show, and afterward, Will called and asked, why don't you have a show of your own? A couple of months later, I did. So it's not a stretch to say that meeting Will changed my life. And 
in some ways, meeting a particular guy on an app some years ago, well, two guys, changed his. Before Will was a publicist, he was a professional dancer. He traveled all over the world, and he told me he was always involved in what he called a showmance. Like whether I was on tour, I was living in Japan, I was always dating somebody in the show. And so dating was never really hard until I became a publicist. And then I was in the real world and I was like, how am I going to meet people? So he went online and started meeting people on apps. You know how like there's all these different apps? This one, I don't even know if people go on it anymore. It's called Real Jock. It's like sporty. It's like so silly. They had like fitness tips and workouts. They had this social platform. And so you'd meet guys that like cared about fitness. And me as a dancer, I've always cared about fitness. I checked and Real Jock is still around. It does have a bit of an early 2000s MySpace kind of vibe. The homepage is full of photos of guys, many shirtless, flexing their muscles. And the main image shows a man wearing only silky briefs and a necklace. He's gazing ahead as though straight at you with a sort of, hey, baby, and I know I'm hot look on his face. The caption below reads, will you be the next man of the day? I was meeting all these nice guys and just talking to them and, and whatnot. This one I made a, re a really nice connection with. I thought he was great. I thought he was funny. I thought he was sweet. I thought he was smart. And then I got transferred, and I had to move to Las Vegas to help open a new show at the Palazzo. And I was kind of bummed because we had never even met in person. We just had text and talked on the phone, and then I was gone. Will hadn't been looking for a long-distance romance, and the guy he had felt that connection with lived in L.A., so he had moved and was essentially moving on. When I was in Vegas, there was this other guy that I had talked to a couple times who was just like, hey, I'm in Vegas for business. And it was around the holidays. It was around Christmas. I don't know if you've ever been to Vegas in Christmas time, but it's really this extra glitz. There's extra sparkle. There's extra holiday and stuff like that. And so this guy was just like, I'm in town. You know, let's get together for a drink. So I was like, sure. So we went out and we had this great time and like we're walking around the city and we went to shops at Caesars and like it's really fun and he was nice and there was kind of a connection there but not, it was a date. Nice guy to spend time with and whatever and we, we kept talking. I knew he lived in LA and he owned his own condo and he had a roommate that he really, really liked who was in the TV industry and he started describing him and the more and more he started talking about him, I realized it was the guy that I had really connected with, that I really liked. I was like, wait a minute, is your roommate so-and-so? And then all of a sudden the date just completely changed. And I realized how much I liked this other guy. So like, he saw like, the levels of interest. And then I just watched the death of a perfectly good evening right in front of me where he got colder and it got awkward. And just like we went back to his hotel and I tried to move forward, but I just wasn't into it. And it just kind of like, we just thought that there was nothing. And I was just like, I'm just going to go. So then I realized that I needed to reach out to this guy that I had feelings for. So I kind of told him what happened and we had a good laugh about it. But then we started texting and calling each other on the regular. And then I went to visit him and I stayed with him in his condo. With <laughs> yeah, it was awkward. Will told me that given that they're all adults, things turned out fine. Awkward, but fine. And he went on to date the man he had that strong connection with for a couple of years. 
Then, when it seemed the relationship had run its course, he went back to Apps, where he met his now husband, Bill, a man Will described as quick-witted and thoughtful, someone with whom he has shared an easy, natural connection with from day one. They took their chat off the app quickly, which Will feels is important for dating through app success, depending on what your goals are. Will and Bill have been together now for six years. One thing I love about Bill, because especially now at pandemic, we both work from home. We have two dogs and we never, like it's never his turn to walk the dog or my turn to walk the dog. We always walk the dog together. It's such a nice thing. He's working on his computer. He'll drop everything to grab a leash and, and we just walk around the street. And I feel like all of those relationships that didn't work out, I learned so much and I learned who I wanted to be in the right relationship. So now I can take all those things I learned from all those great people that I'm so appreciative to and treat someone how I want to be treated. We very rarely raise our voices or get in arguments because we can press pause and just be like, okay, let's just talk. What's going on? You know, and just really appreciate that. I think that comes from just mutual respect and, and love, you know. I'm really grateful for the app store. I never would have met Bill. Taking communication offline quickly from apps to meeting someone virtually or in person can indeed reveal a lot, including about any potential chemistry you may have or not have. My friend and host of Sex Positive Me, Angelique Luna, knows this arguably too well. I'm also a sex and relationship expert and an intuitive life coach that helps people better communicate their sexual desires and needs. Which is actually what this, oh my God, dating experience involved. My husband and I are both openly bisexual swingers in an open relationship, and we, we still like to date, you know, together. We met a couple and we thought, okay, you know, we, we clicked and we had chemistry at the local restaurant, had some drinks, and we're like, you know what, why don't you just come on over and we'll have a play date. Come to find out, three hours later, it turned into a therapy session. The two couples got together and almost immediately, Angelique noticed problems with how the guy in the pair was treating his partner. The more the conversation was going, the more I saw him being like very instigating, like, hey, go do this, go kiss him, go. And she was like, no, she didn't feel comfortable. And at the same time, then she was like, do you have any games to play to get in the mood? And I'm like, I've never played games to get into the mood. It's, I've had other couples that were like, you know what? Let's go to the bedroom. Let's go have some fun. And, you know, or the clothes come off or whatever. You know, they're, they're a little bit more forward. This was just like pushing and no, and she was just like being uncomfortable at the same time, you know, she was curious because the more we talked about our experiences with other couples, then it just slowly evolved on the issues that they were having. And now I'm like, out, get out, get out, get out. 
apparently the uh, female was not very comfortable. The male was more in the swinging lifestyle much longer. So she was trying it. And so he was very aggressive and pushing. And I'm like, I don't feel comfortable. I'm like, I'm sorry, the way you treat her is a huge turnoff for me. So trying to push her to feel relaxed or go sit next to John. And do, I was just like, no, no, she needs to want this. So ended up being a female empowerment for her. And then like a friggin' ego buster for the guy, because it was just like, you're going to be in this swinging community, you most agree, you have to communicate and express your desires. And what is it that you're willing to do what not to do, and not force each other to do it. Wow. So what were some of the things that you taught them? Communication trying to understand that what you are wanting to do is completely acceptable for you. But if your partner doesn't tell you that, hey, I hate that, you're going to just keep doing something bad. My favorite is, you said this, but I understood that. Just that simple phrase of what you understood versus what they said will help clarify so much. Because the message might have been said one way, but it, it was interpreted another. But if you don't ask for that clarity, you're just still going to go on this bad train wreck. And you, you got to figure out where to put the brakes on. Did this change the way you approach couples or was this just sort of a fluky thing? No, it doesn't. It's just one of those. I don't know. The swinger world is completely the wild, wild west there because you have old school. I mean, I've been doing this for 25 years and then you got others that are just newbies and getting in and I'm like, time out. If you're going to pay me, great. But if you want to date me and have me teach you, not happening. Here's my invoice. Yes, exactly there. This is my playtime. I'm not getting paid. This is what I normally do. Via. Even my dog had feelings about that. Most people want to be good partners, so that was a gift you gave them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who knows if it was a gift I gave them or they just broke up. <laughs> I was like, I couldn't tell after that. When I tell a lot of people, before you get into the swinging world, make sure you know yourself and your partner. First, yourself. Speaking of knowing yourself, Angelique also told me about another OMG dating experience with a guy who struggled with a related issue. She met him online, and they seemed to be having a great conversation, so they decided to meet in person. And usually I gather and sense from the conversation how confident or secure the person is. And I'm like, okay, they got their stuff together. So I'm on my way to the location to meet up with the person, and then he sends me a photo. And I was like, oh, you look very handsome. Oh, you really think so? I'm like, oh, great. His comments like that went on. Did he really look hot? Did she really think so? Meanwhile, Angelique could almost see him fixating on his appearance in a mirror. Hot! Ooh, spicy! The red flag of insecurity just popped up, and I'm like, I'm five minutes away from this date. I still showed up. We went to this nice hotel and had dinner, and the majority of the conversation was his wife. And I'm used to that from like a sugar baby aspect. So I was like, okay, you know, that's fine. Again, turn into another therapy session. I don't know why some of my dates end up to be a therapy session. And then he was like, would you like to go back upstairs to the hotel? And I'm like, you know, at this point, let me just do it for sympathy's sake, you know, you know, petty sex, basically, that's what it boiled down to. And then at the end, he gave me a high five. I'm like, who high fives after sex? 
it, it looked like he wanted another round. I'm like, oh, no, not after that. I'm sorry. I'm done. Mm-mm. The date has now been considered the high five date. <laughs> I met Miley specifically for this episode, and I liked her immediately. I am the director of product for Hashtag Open, which is a sex-positive dating app for people who are looking for polyamory, BDSM, and open relationships. There's something pretty special about meeting people in this space, meaning girl boner or in the sexuality field. I love getting the chance to dive into intimate topics with someone straight away. It's probably why I consider so many of my guests, including those I've only met during interviews, friends. We'll hear from Miley again, along with other folks from Hashtag Open, in upcoming episodes, one on open marriages and another on sex and pregnancy. Our first conversation was a goodie, and her story seemed like a great way to wrap up not only this episode, but this year. So Miley and her husband, Adam, opened their marriage about two years ago. Over the past year, they've been getting into polyamory, meaning rather than seeking sexual encounters outside of just the two of them, they're having relationships on the side, especially Miley. This story involves their first full sex swap with another couple. For privacy reasons, Miley calls her boyfriend Pip. Pip and I had just started dating and we were starting to hang out more. It happened to be a Saturday night where my husband and I didn't have kids in the house and Pip and his wife were similar situation. Their kids were out and about. So we're like, oh, well, why don't you come over tonight? Like, that's a great night. So we were really excited to kind of set it up. You know, my husband and I had had playdates and threesomes before, but we had never coordinated with another couple. So it was very exciting. Definitely like first time nerves. Miley told me she engages in a ritual before dates like this one. She gets really excited and cleans the house from top to bottom. So I was in my groove, cleaning, 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 and I just kind of finished up and I was on the second floor of our house. And as I'm like winding down and ready to just kind of relax for a bit before Pip and his wife come over, I walk into our hallway and I see a bird flying around. And I'm like, oh my goodness. So I see it flying around. I kind of try and figure out where it goes. I see that it goes downstairs, which is where my husband Adam is. And we start looking around for it. He's like, yeah, I saw it too. We're starting to look around and we can't find it. And after we look for like five or six minutes, he's like, are you sure it was a bird? And I'm like, oh my God, maybe it wasn't a bird. Miley remembered that a few years prior, they had had a bat in their house and it ended up perching in the playroom. So as soon as Adam asked that question, are you sure it's a bird? She headed straight to the playroom. And there's a bat in there. We're like, well, oh, this is not good. We're having company over. But because we had had this happen before, we were like, okay, we just have to close it in there. Animal control's going to come tomorrow. No big deal. So that's what we did. We closed it in there. Pip and his wife came over. We joked about it. They looked at the bat. We, you know, it was a good laugh. And we were like, okay, we'll call animal control in the morning. And like, you know, it was the joke that like, as we had our coffee, that we'd be ending the date with, you know, animal control swinging by. So the night goes on, you know, we kind of split off. Pip and I were excited to have a little bit of time on our own to kind of explore and have fun. And same thing with Adam and Pip's wife. And yeah, we had a good time all night. We did our fun things. 
Adam and Pip's wife kind of settled into our room and Pip and I decided we were going to settle into the spare bedroom for the night. So we finally fall asleep like in the middle of the night. I woke up really startled who knows how long later. Hear a noise and it's like dusk or dawn, you know, so it's kind of just starting to get light in the room, but I can't see very well. And I open my eyes and I realize there's a bat flying around our heads. <laughs> we had barely slept a wink and I'm like shaking him awake and I'm like, don't freak out. But there's a bat. And he's like, what do you mean he's half awake? He didn't have his contacts on, so he couldn't actually see. But he can just like make out the image of this thing flying, like darting near our heads. So we had to like make a plan and we're like, well, we just have to get out of the room and figure it out. So we're like waiting until the bat like perches, gets tired and it stops. On one of those times, we grabbed everything and we ran into the hallway, took a breath. I head downstairs, and as I get into the kitchen, no lie, another bat starts flying around. <laughs> By this point, we're like, oh my god, three bats in the house. I opened the door. I think that one got out. We were able to close all the bats in the rooms, kind of settle in. As we're like winding down and laughing about it, and it's a good time, we're kind of like, don't worry, the wildlife guy is going to come. He's going to find the bats. Only that's not quite what happened. Pip and his wife left, the wildlife guy arrived, and Miley and Adam were relaxing while the search ensued. He never found the bats. Like, we don't know what happened. We think they got out of the house on their own. But even if the bats had flown out on their own, the whole ordeal was far from over. Because apparently, if you sleep in a room with a flying bat, you have to get tested for rabies. We both called our doctors and I'm like, oh my gosh, it kind of feels like I have to call and like disclose an STI to him. It's like our first night sleepover and I call him and I'm like, so listen, they couldn't find the bats. I think we have to go to the ER. <laughs> and so we did. And it was like a big joke that we like started our relationship getting treated for rabies together. <laughs> the follow-up to our first sleepover was a trip to the ER where we like learned each other's full medical histories. We were laughing as like the poor registration people are like, okay, so are you each other's emergency contact? And we're like, no, that would actually be my husband. And they're like, what? <laughs> I'm sure they were very confused. Not only that, but they had to go back in several times for a series of shots. The first time we went, it was two shots in our legs, two in the arms. They're like, yeah, these are really painful. And we're like, oh gosh. So it was like a whole process. I look back now and we laugh and laugh. And we're like, we were actually just joking about it a couple of weeks ago. And we're like, remember in the beginning when it was so easy to schedule dates? Because like, we just had to go to the hospital to get shots. And then it was like, okay, well, I guess we'll go out for lunch afterwards. <laughs> I guess this is going to work out because somehow had fun going on rabies shots and like enjoyed being around each other. And so we're like, after that, we're like, oh, I think, I think we'll stick around for a while. <laughs> Miley said that a couple of people have asked her if she thinks it was a bad omen to have bats invade her intimacy with Pip early on. So far, it hasn't turned out that way. If anything, it seems like the opposite. I think the 
that being able to kind of really gauge that we had similar personalities because we were able to laugh through it. We were able to go with the flow. But then at the same time, there were also moments that really kind of showed me some of his character. Like it was a lot of work to schedule all these shots. I remember one day I was just really busy with work and my kids. He's like, just send me a picture of your insurance card. I have the rest. Like I got your name and date of birth. I got it. I hear people talking about the red flags for relationships, but sometimes you also have to look for the green flags and stuff like that, that I was like, oh, you know, he didn't have to do that for me, but he actually wanted to and, and he cared enough to take the time to do it. I looked into bat symbolism and yes, there are some beliefs about bad omens, but others seem to suit Miley's situation far better. Bats are also known as guardians of the night and symbols of rebirth. The last listener question of the year is one I think many of us can relate to in some way. It involves emotional challenges that make sex less possible or appealing, at least for a while. It came from Philip, who wrote this. I'm wondering if my boners are broken. I went through a really awful and shocking breakup and ultimately a divorce after my wife cheated with a buddy of mine and other sordid details I'll skip. I thought I was past it all, but embarrassingly, I tried to have sex for the first time since then, and nothing happened. Is it possible these things are connected? Philip, you are awesome for reaching out. Here's what Dr. Megan Fleming had to say. Philip, thank you so much for your question. And I guess I just want to start by saying that beyond the fact that you were betrayed by your wife and a close friend, which honestly would shake anybody at the core, this is also your first time being intimate with someone new in how many years? And I say that because it's not uncommon. It can be 5, 10, 15 or more years since dating and having sex with someone new. And so I just want to say that anxiety is normal and natural, especially when it's been such a long time. And you're also in the very beginning stages of a relationship or hooking up, right? So the normative questions of, do they like me? Do I like them? And, you know, you're all just sort of figuring it out. You know, it's my hope that you may have already had sex again. And this was sort of a one-off experience, which again, I'm just saying is what makes complete sense about that. But it's also to remember that arousal is a reflex. So I want you to check in with yourself whenever you're flirting, going out, hooking up you know, are you feeling turned on? And I say that because it's not uncommon that sometimes women may initiate sex when you're not turned on. You know, I think that unfortunately in our culture, there's a lot of stereotypes that men want sex all the time and in all conditions. And that's just not the reality. And that's not true. So that's why I'm saying take your time making out, dry humping, sort of pacing to get a sense of like, are you enjoying? Are you turned on? Are you aroused? Are you in positive looking forward to anticipation? Or are you getting flooded by the experience? Because when if you're getting flooded, or you're just checking in, you're like, mm, I'm not that aroused, then I would say certainly that's a warning sign and a flag to pay attention to. And that that isn't the right sort of conditions for sex or the right situation. And I'm also sort of assuming that on your own, you're still waking with the occasional morning erection and no difficulties with arousal erection with masturbation. And I'm saying that because if there's difficulties in either of those two cases, definitely go to see a urologist for an evaluation. 
But without having more history and assuming that all is good in those two areas, I believe that this is psychological. And it could have something or nothing to do with your ex because it has everything to do with your confidence in yourself as a man and as a lover, as well as whether or not you're attracted to this woman and potentially related to the unlikely guest of anticipatory anxiety or performance demand. The good news is this is all treatable. So if you're finding yourself either anxious or avoidant, find an ASECT certified counselor stat. They are going to be the ones to help you figure out all the different variables that might be at play. And most importantly, what are the actionable things and steps that you can take? So I just want to let you know and leave you with that psychogenic erectile dysfunction is common and totally treatable. Reach out, certainly before a pattern emerges and those unwanted intrusive thoughts, not sexy thoughts, take root. I know you've got this and I'd love to hear how it goes. Thank you so much, Dr. Megan. I love what she pointed out about those damaging stereotypes, how common everything you're experiencing is, Philip, and the importance of seeking support as needed or just desired. I'll also share a message I landed on once during a rough time. It's really simple, but it really struck me. This isn't the end of your story. It can be easy to feel as though we've reached all life will ever have to offer when we're struggling or all that sex has to offer, or all that relationships have to offer during those dark times. But until our last breath, we really, really have not. The sun shines again, as they say, and good things happen, often more fabulous things than we ever imagined, which is what I'm hoping for all of you as we wrap up the year and look into a new one. Megan also wanted to wish you all very happy holidays, and remind you about a special gift you may want to consider for yourself or for a partner. I'm thrilled as always for this time of year and wishing you and everyone in the Girl Boner community the happiest of holidays. If you're still looking or anyone listening uh, for that special gift for your partner or even yourself this holiday season, I definitely don't want you to miss the replay of my conversation with Kenneth Play. He's dubbed the world's greatest sex hacker by GQ magazine and has 12 million views on Pornhub. Believe it or not, I asked him and he's distilled down his top three sex hacks and of course shared so much more. Plus, he's offered a generous discount on his Sex Hacker Pro course until the 20th. And to match his generosity, I'm adding my Rekindle Your Desire program to the deal. So for the replay and all the details, go to my website, greatlifegreatsex.com forward slash sex hacks, because I know we all want to learn the skills to be a better lover in this and the new year. So for everyone, here's to your pleasure in 2021. If you are looking to further that spicy fun or you'd like to orgasm your way to some needed stress relief, head to thepleasuretrust.com to explore their latest specials. Their holiday gift guide is full of awesome ideas, and by signing up for their email list, you'll get a $5 off coupon. And there's still time to order app-controlled toys to help keep you connected to pleasure, solo or with a partner, and receive it by 1225. Again, that's The Pleasure Chest at thepleasurechest.com. And if you've been enjoying the show, I hope to see you on Patreon. I also so appreciate ratings and reviews. Thank you so much for listening and have beautiful girl boner embracing holidays. <laughs>